Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining in again. And today is Friday, August the 18th, and it's just about 10 a.m. in the morning here in Florida. And it is a balmy. Let me look at the uh, look at my little temperature gauge here and see what it says. It is 74 degrees outside, and wow, that's actually not bad for outside 74. I, I think that must be wrong because <laughs> it's really hot outside. Um, anyway, thanks for, for listening in again. I appreciate it. Um, it's good to, to be back on here again with the podcast. Um, I did take some time off. It's been a while and I sort of lost my listeners. I had quite a few and, um, I just was going through some personal things and which, which brings me to my subject today. My wife and I have been married for 30 years. July 4th was 30 years. We had been married long time. In this day and age, that's a long time, um, and I am 56 years old, so you do the math. You can see we've spent the better part of our youth and younger years and um, young adult years, and um, I have, we have struggled. Our marriage has struggled from the time we started dating, and this will really date me, but uh, we dated for seven years before we got married, so I have spent the better part of 37 of my years of life on this earth um, with one person. And I can tell you from experience, and I speak only from my personal experience. I don't speak for all men, but I can tell you this. Being married is the hardest thing that I've ever done in my entire life. And it shouldn't be that way. And unfortunately... I, as a young person, as a, you know, we started dating when I think I was 19. So I was still a teenager, so to speak, on the, on the fringes of it. But uh, I didn't have the wherewithal, the common sense to, to understand the intricate details of behavioral problems and issues with people who had experienced trauma in their childhood. My wife experienced trauma in her childhood because, well, not because, but she experienced trauma in her childhood. It wasn't physical trauma. It was emotional trauma and it was more benign neglect than anything else. And so as a result, um, she developed poor um, coping skills and became more of a survivor uh, mentality than anything else. I didn't see this as a kid because, of course, I was a I was I was a young kid. I didn't know any better. I was a typical red blooded uh, male. Um, she was beautiful. She was sexy, and um, you know she she had all the attributes physically that that were a, appealing and pleasing to anyone. Um, she was probably the prettiest girl on campus, uh, the college campus where she and I attended, and um, you know I was not thinking. Uh, about who this person was or, you know, why we should be together, shouldn't be together. And and it's not to say that I did not bring into the relationship my own trauma. I had a lot of trauma as a child, um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, um, neglect, um, abandonment. I mean, you name it, I had it. Um, <clears throat> and I came out of my childhood with my own set of trauma, 
<laughs> and I too was a survivor and had a lot of uh, very narcissistic traits. Um, and most survivors typically do, they become very self selfish, very self inward. Um, everything is about you and, 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 you know, you, you, you lack a lot of empathy for other people because that's too exhausting. And so I recognize the narcissistic traits, uh, in, in the behavior. Um, and which leads me to my next, um, sentence, my wife and I fought all the time all the time. You'd have thought that these were red flags enough for both of her and myself to see that we wouldn't have gotten together, that we wouldn't have stayed together. But believe it or not, we found uh, that our relationship was, was we were meshed together um, in a, in a very, uh, very unhealthy way. We were, we were traumatic um, bonded and um, we were trauma bonded as they call it. And we, we both were drawn to each other because we were both trauma victims of our childhood and um, we both lacked so many healthy coping skills and relational skills and we were just a train wreck really and so you would think that you know we would have recognized that right off the bat and that we would have decided not to do that not to get married not to get you know together but we did and of course you know when you're young and you're you know you're you're you find each other attractive and beautiful and sexy and you know, the sex was, was wild and crazy and uh, often, and, and that just, that really only permeates the, the situation uh, with, with uh, uh, bad communication and bad skills, and, and it just kind of enmeshes you more and more and more. And so um, we just did all the, all the wrong things all the time. And so we, um, because we were ignorant and stupid and all those things as children, as young adults, I should say not children, but we were young and um, we didn't know any better. So we got married and then we had a child and um, we were both very much selfish, self-driven people. Um, and we fought and argued and we fought and argued all the time. Um, it just seems like it was a continuation of the years we dated we still did not put two and two together. We weren't smart enough really to realize that we were both very, very disturbed people and that we, we fought so much that our poor uh, firstborn, who happened to be the perfect child, honestly, um, in so many ways, she was just like absolutely perfect in spite of her, her parents. Um, but unfortunately, our fighting and arguing did not stop and, and it often happened in front of her. And so um, I live with a, an incredible, immense regret that I was that I was just this terrible father as well as a terrible husband for arguing in front of my children. Even though I loved my kids, and I was very attentive to them. Um, I, I neglected to not respond when my wife would would uh, gaslight me and that that makes me want to, I mean, that makes me, but that, that brings me to the next um, issue I want to talk about. I didn't realize it, but my wife, um, she was, she had behave, behavior that was very, very odd, very, very difficult behavior. And in the beginning, we thought that she might be bipolar. 
And so we had her examined and um, I was in the medical field. I was a nurse for 22 years. <laughs> and so I had friends in the medical field who, you know, saw my wife and um, a friend of mine um, diagnosed her with bipolarism um, and put her on some medication. And it seemed to help. It seemed to, you know, her mood swings were, you know, uh, it was like a light switch. And um, I think a lot of it was was uh, organic. And I think a lot of it was just behavioral. Um, she didn't like the way she felt on the medications, which a lot of people who are bipolar don't. Um, and so they stopped taking the meds because they don't get the highs that they're so used to getting and that euphoric feeling of, of being high all the time. And so I think that a lot of times you have people who are, who are missing those highs so much so that they'll say, Hey, I'm fine. I'm going to stop taking my medication. In which case they, they stop taking their medication. And, um, then, then of course they, they spiral out of control. And of course she did that and she resented me for putting her on medication. And then later she said she was on medication because of me. And that was the only reason she was taking medication. When the truth of the matter was my wife could get into a uh, depression state and literally stay in the bed for days, you know, only getting up to occasionally eat and, and pee and, and then go to bed. And this went on off and on. It was a cycle with her. And, um, you know, of course, Mental illness is not always easy to deal with, and so I was not the best partner to probably deal with her mental illness, and so I didn't have the patience that I should have had. Um, that's, you know, that's my fault, but also I was the center of her abuse, and she embraced her narcissistic behavior, and if, you, if you're familiar with narcissist or narcissism, um, there are different levels of it. And there, one that I discovered here recently is called the covert narcissist. Now, the covert narcissist is a narcissist, but what they will typically do is they will, they will hide their behavior out in public and they won't do the things out in public that they do to their spouse or their, or their significant other, whether it be male or female, it doesn't really matter. Um, but I discovered about six months ago uh, that she was a covert narcissist. I began looking up on the internet. Of course, that's always dangerous. Um, but I was trying to understand why she lacked empathy, why she gaslit me all the time, why she would lie all the time, why she would um, manipulate me in ways and then blame me after she made me angry for me getting angry. She would call me crazy. She would call me uh, mentally imbalanced. Uh, most recently, she said that I was having a nervous breakdown. Um, and typically with narcissists, they get their, their, they feed off of the person that they're abusing. They feed off of the, the, the energy of that person. And when, when someone is, uh, when a narcissist is inflicting their pain on other people, they they actually get charged from that. Um, it's a really twisted behavioral thing. Uh, if you read about narcissists and if you're listening and you know about narcissists, you know that you you typically can't fix narcissists. It is um, it is one of those uh, behavioral issues that um, it, a lot of therapists will say they don't even see someone who's a narcissist because it, it it's too much because they will they will give They'll give a mile to take five miles. Um, narcissists have a, uh, a behavioral cycle 
where they will they will abuse the person that they're intimate with, uh, either through what's called um, um, emotional terrorism, which sounds horrible to say terrorism, but it's it's just one of the, the words that they use um, or the phrases. It's emotional terrorism, like they'll they'll give you the silent treatment, and I'm not talking about a natural silent treatment. Like if you and your spouse are having an argument. And, and, you know, you're angry with your spouse or vice versa. You know, there is a period of time where you're just, you know, you need to work through your anger issues and you're, you're still mad with that person. You love them, but you're still mad with them and you don't want to talk to them. So there's a period of time that, you know, may lapse where you don't have a conversation or you don't verbally talk things out or you don't try to work things out. Um, but then eventually you do. And, and usually within a time frame that is that is, you know, manageable and normal and acceptable with any uh, couple who have had a, uh, a conflict. And there's always conflict resolution. With a narcissist, there's never conflict resolution. They, um, I have been ignored by my wife for days, literally, not a word, days. And that's part of their their uh, technique. They use that to pull you in because most normal people don't like to have that separation between the person they are intimate with. Um, and so they'll, they'll reach out to that person. It's, it's a technique that a lot of times people will use on the phone. If you're talking to someone and, and the conversation, um, becomes a little, um, uh, I don't know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, difficult. And then all of a sudden the other person on the other end of the phone is smart enough to realize that if they just shut down and they don't talk and they just listen and they'll sit there and listen for, you know, a minute, which is a long time of dead airspace when you're on the phone with someone, hoping, knowing that normal people will fill the void with conversation. Detectives use that a lot. They'll get very quiet when they're when they're interviewing someone, so the person will just feel like there needs to be, um, you know, conversation, and so they'll just start spilling the beans. Um, it's a technique that is used. Um, narcissists use it again to to feed themselves, to feed their own ego. They have a huge, huge ego. Um, with the covert narcissist though, they'll actually come across as the victim. They love to play the victim and they'll make you always feel like you are the bad person. And they will always turn any conversation around to them. If you say, I have a headache, they'll say, oh my gosh, I had one the other day and it was so bad. And I don't know what I do. I just, I, it always seems to happen and I, it just got so bad. And they'll hijack what's called hijacking your conversation. And they'll make everything about them. That is what they do because everything is about them because the world revolves around them. The narcissist is the center of their universe. And so my wife would say things, um, you know, under her breath when we were out in public to to ignite me, to, you know, drop a bomb, knowing that I would be upset about it and I couldn't hide it. Then she would say, why are you so upset? Why are you acting so upset? You're, you're out of control. You're out of control. And so she would do things like that. And this, this was, uh, she was also very physical with me. She would, she would hit me. She would throw things at me. And, you know, um, she was always very angry. Anger was always at the surface with her, just below the surface, I mean. And um, she was always very angry. She was miserable. Nothing ever made her happy. Nothing ever was enough. No matter what I did, um, there was no accolades. There was no... Um, Hey, you're doing a great job. Hey, I appreciate what you're doing. A narcissist will never tell you that unless they're trying to love bomb you. Now, that's another phase of the of the cycle of the of the narcissist. Um, you know, so um, 
once she told me that nobody really liked me, she said, nobody really likes you. And I'm like, really? And she's like, no, nobody really likes you. Well, my best friend at the time still is, uh, we've been friends for more than 30 years. Um, he, um, I knew he was my friend and she couldn't tell me that. And I knew what she was saying was she was trying to hurt me. It's kind of like a child telling you, well, you're ugly and you're fat, you know, well, if, if they're a child and they're, you know, six years old and they say that, then, you know, as an adult, you can just say, oh, okay, sure. No problem. Cause it doesn't really bother us because we know that the, the, the um, perspective that they're coming from, you know, we know why they're trying to do what they're do, what they're doing. And so when she said, you know, nobody really likes you, you know, and I said, well, that's probably not true. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah. Nobody likes you. And I said, well, what about so-and-so? And she, oh no, he's just a nice guy. He just, he's just being, um, he's just a nice guy and he's, he's being um, polite. And I said, really? Wow. And she said, yeah, no, you're really, you're really a, a bore. You you talk too much and, and people don't like you and you, and you're just, you know, there's just so many horrible things about you. And I'm like, okay. And, um, of course, you know, later I had a conversation with my friend and I'm like, I told him that. And he's like, she's crazy. Man, everybody likes you. Everybody, you know, people that come in contact with you, if they don't like you, then there's something wrong with them. Anyway, that is something that narcissists will do. They will put you down. They will, they will make you question your own mentality. They will make you question everything you say. Um, one of the things my wife um, is really good at is when I'm telling her a story, she'll interrupt me to say, okay, wait, now, hold on. I need like, you said 12, but I know you meant 13. And she does this in an effort to break up the conversation and my concentration and also to let me know that what I'm saying is really not that important. She's more she's more in, uh, in tune with, you know, the minutia of the conversation and less concerned about me just getting something off my chest. Um, and so she'll interrupt me and interrupt me and interrupt me. And then when I say, well, stop interrupting me and let me tell you the story. Then she'll say, why are you getting so angry? You're out of control, you know? Um, so you can't win with them. Um, and then, you know, when you, when you do tell them something, you know, then if it's, if it's like, yeah, I was driving down the road and this, this, this idiot pulled in front of me and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, it made me mad and they slammed on the brakes and I almost crashed the car. And well, she'll always defend everyone. That is something my wife does, which is also another trait of the narcissist. They'll defend everyone but you. And they'll, they'll make you question as to why you did something, even though you're probably in the right. And so she never had my back. She never, she never took up for me. She never, you know, praised me. Um, she questioned everything that I said. Um, she would correct me all the time. Um, <clears throat> and uh, no matter what I did, no matter how I did it, it was always wrong. You know, why did you do that? You could have done it this way. Why didn't you do it this way? She always wanted to know why, because she wanted to place the blame on someone. Well, I want to know who did it. You know, it's kind of like I'd say, you know, my wife walks in a room and, and the uh, the glass is half empty. You know, most people would say, well, you know, oh, man, my glass is half empty. Another person would say, hey, my glass is half full. Well, my wife would say, all right, the glass is half empty, and I want to know who the hell drank half of that. I need to know right now because we need to find out. We need to get to the bottom of this. Um she does things like uh, interrupt me when I'm talking to other people. Um, and then when I interrupt her, when she's talking to people, she'll just absolutely go off on me. You're interrupting me. You always interrupt me. You always interrupt me. These are words that narcissists will use. They, they're always uh, forever and you never, and they're just, they're, they're, they're eternal words that just, you know, sum you up in, in a few seconds. And so, um, when people in the community uh, say something nice about me to her, she cannot 
deal with it. She does not like for me to be elevated in the community or by anyone that she knows or anyone she comes in contact with. She feels very threatened by my success. And I've been a very successful person throughout my life. And um, she can't stand that. And um, in my career, both in nursing and, and now uh, the career I have now, um, I've risen very quickly. Um, and because I'm good at what I do and people that are smart enough to realize that, honestly, pick it up and they're, you know, they realize that I have a gift and um, they elevate me in my job. And I've always been that way. Everywhere I've ever worked, I've always risen to the top. And I'm not bragging. I'm just simply saying, you know, um, I'm just that kind of person. That's the, that's my personality. And I'm very successful at my job. I'm very successful with the people that I come in contact with. And I work for very, very important people. And which is nice because when they validate me, it makes me feel good because I know I'm doing a great job. And so she doesn't like that. She doesn't want to hear about that. She doesn't want anything. She doesn't want to know anything about my life or anything that I'm doing. She wants me to listen to her. So I am to be a sounding board only. Um, covert narcissists will appear in the community as the nicest people you'll ever meet. And you'll just be so fooled by them. But when they go home, it's it's on because they have had to be nice all day. They've had to, um, you know, um, basically, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, deny themselves their true personality and their behavior um, out in public. And so when they come home, it is the it is the person they're the most intimate with that they take it out on. Um, of course, I wouldn't have been a nurse for 22 years if I didn't like helping people, if I didn't like serving people. I've always served people. Before that, I was in law enforcement, and I did that for about eight years. So I've always had some capacity of a career that served people. Today, I'm in, I'm in public relations, and I serve people again. So it is part of my um, personality. It's part of who I am. I like to give. I like to do for others. I like to... Um, I like to see other people being taken care of, being served, being happy. I like to make people happy. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not something that, you know, I crave the validation or, you know, uh, praise. I'm not a praise junkie. I just enjoy helping other people. And so it comes naturally for me. And so because it comes naturally, I do it really well. Um, as we were younger, I, I had the energy to fight with her and I'd fight with her all the time. And of course we had another child and then we had our son. So we have three children. My two oldest children are grown and one is married with her, uh, with a child of her own. And <coughs> my other one is <clears throat> single and, and looking. And my son is um, 15 years old and he's a lot like his mom. He's very quiet. He doesn't say a whole lot. He keeps his feelings close to his heart. <clears throat> you kind of have to guess where he is. But um, as I've gotten older and wiser, I hope, um, I've, I've, I find that I'm less uh, motivated to stick around and deal with the abuse that I've dealt with for so many years and the attack against my person and my self-esteem and um i just i'm i'm done and so which brings me to the conclusion of this podcast i have asked my wife for a divorce she does not want one because she thinks things can be helped she's she um 
her first question was, is there someone else? There's no one else. I'm not seeing anyone. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. I've never done that with my wife. Um, I just, I'm tired of the abuse. You know, I'm 56 years old and, um, you know, I'm still relatively young. Um, I'm not a kid anymore, but I'm at the age where I, I know what I want and I know what I don't want. And I don't want her abuse anymore and I don't want her neglect. And um, I'm just tired of her drama. And I'm, I'm at the age now where I'm looking at the end of my life in the next probably 20 to 25 years, if I'm fortunate. And so I, I've spent a good portion, 37 years of my life, dealing with this, this intense personality and, and narcissistic behavior that it's just worn me down. And um, I, am, I, I need to take time to myself now and learn to, you know, um, work through the trauma of being with her for 37 years. <clears throat> and so I've asked for a, 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 a divorce from her. Um, you know, we have a few things that we need to work out. Um, the house, you know, which, you know, I don't mind, you know, splitting the equity in the home. We have quite a bit of it in our home now. And so um, I just want to move on. So I, I'm, I'm telling you all this because <clears throat> this is a process, you know, um, I'm working up a postnuptial agreement uh, with a friend of mine who is an attorney, and I have an attorney who will file the paperwork for me, a separate one. <clears throat> and um, I'm hoping that she will, you know, just sign the prenup, the the postnuptial, and we can move on, and you know, I can begin to rebuild my life and my self-esteem, and and you know, kind of. I know it sounds selfish, but to, to sort of look out for myself a little bit, you know, I, uh, I want to, I mean, there's things I'd like to, to do, but I, I just, I'm, imagine if, if I were a woman telling you all these things and that a man had treated me this way for 37 years, you would be screaming at the top of your lungs right now, get the hell out, you know? Um, but it seems to be different um, with, with the way the perception is of, of people today when, when it's a man that's been abused by his wife for so many years. Um, and it's not that I'm a, I'm not a small man. I'm a, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a big guy. You know, I'm not fat. I'm just, uh, I'm very manly. I'm very big. You wouldn't think that something like this would, would wear me down, but it literally has worn me down. And so I want you to know that if you're in a relationship with a covert narcissist, and I would encourage you to just look up covert narcissism or just look up narcissist, um, you'll see <clears throat> this is a behavior that you cannot fix. <clears throat> they will not get better. She's promised here uh, recently to, to uh, go to counseling. She said she'd go to see a psychiatrist. She'd take medication. She'd do all these things. And that's another, that's another cycle of the, of the narcissist that they will promise you the moon and the stars. <clears throat> and they will do what's called love bombing where they'll just be nice and nice and nice to you. Just so nice. You, you know, butter would melt in their mouth. And so they're just so nice. Um, but they can't keep that up for long. And usually hers is about two days. And then she's back to her normal self where she hates me. She despises me. Uh, this morning she told me she she had a dream that, you know, she was beating me up last night and pulling my chest hair out. And she was just literally beating me with her hands. <clears throat> That's not normal. And even in your, your subconscious, you're having dreams of beating your husband. Um, that's just not good. So it kind of gives you an insight in, as to who she is. Um, and and there's just, there are no redeemable qualities with her. And so um, 
I feel sorry for her. I don't hate her. I don't love her. I'm, I'm indifferent towards her. But I can tell you from experience, I stayed together. You're probably wondering, well, why the hell did you stay with her for 37 years? Because of my children. Um, we separated about seven years ago, and she turned my kids against me. And I mean, like, my middle daughter wouldn't even talk to me. My oldest daughter, thank God, was in college, but she, she managed to get to her, too. My son was depressed because his mom had told him so many horrible things about me. Um, and I love my kids dearly, and I didn't want them to be saddled with that kind of trauma again. And so I waited till they were older. Um, I wanted to leave her years and years and years ago, um, but I didn't want to miss. I didn't want to lose my my children. So um, I chose to stay. And um, if that was a mistake, then I can't do anything about it now. <clears throat> but now I, they're old enough; they're adults; they can handle this. Um, so I would I would warn you. I would recommend that if you're if you're in a relationship with an abusive partner who is narcissist, and they are abusive if they're narcissist, make no mistake. No matter how many times I tell you it's your it's your fault, you're the reason. That's a lie. Don't believe it. Um, just know, get out. It's not going to get any better. They're not going to change. It's it's almost impossible to change a narcissist. So I want to give you some advice. Do not wait like I did. Don't waste 37 years of your life or 27 or 17 or whatever it is. Don't waste those years. Get out now because I know there's someone out there who is normal, who would, who, um, you know, who would like to, to be with someone like me. I don't know who that will be. Um, it's not that I need someone. It's that I just want a companion. I want someone that I can, you know, I'm getting at the age where I'll be looking to retire in the next, you know, 10 years. And I would like someone to, to travel with me around the world. I'd like someone to, to go with me to places around the state. And, um, you know, I just like someone who would actually enjoy my company. Someone who would in, who would miss me when I was gone, you know. Someone I can invest in. I, I want to do so much for that person. I'm afraid that I would probably smother them, and so, um, you know, I don't think that my wife ever would find anyone. Um, she says all the time she doesn't need anyone. She doesn't want anybody, and that's true. She doesn't. But um, I'm a very social creature, and and um, you know, I don't have warts on my face. I'm not 300 pounds, and you know, slovenly and um, I'm, you know, I think I'm a halfway decent, handsome guy. So I've still got a chance to find somebody out there who, um, who would like to spend some time with me, you know, and, um, whatever remaining years I have left, I'd like to be able to, to do that. And so, um, with that being said, thank you again for tuning in. I hope you learned something from this and, um, I'll be keeping you updated on the, uh, the process and hopefully I'll have the postnuptial papers finished. Um, this weekend and, and um, she can sign everything and we can take it to the attorney. And I believe it'll make a difference. Once I get divorced, I won't expect certain things from her because she won't be my wife anymore. And so I think that it'll be much easier for me to, to move on and hopefully it'll be much easier for her too. Anyway, hope you guys have a great weekend. Thanks again for listening. And uh, until next time.